Hello and welcome to another episode of Retrovaniacs. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Parmentier, as always. And with me, as every other week, is Jeremy Gregory. I am all up in this alpha zone. <laughs> and Mr. Billy Holiday. I am too, but I wish I wasn't. Well, I can tell that this is going to be one of those shows where all three of us agree on how great this game is. But before we get to this week's game, what have you been playing since last week, Billy, other than this marvelous game? Other than this? Oh, well, you know, actually this week, aside from this, which I oftentimes found it impossible to pull myself away from, I've mainly just, uh, like last week, still playing Rocket League. I think it's the fact that I can play it in five-minute intervals, which just happens to be uh, the amount of time I've had every day game-playing lately. Well, I've been playing, uh, last week was the, uh, the Squaresoft sale on the PlayStation Network, so I downloaded a whole bunch of the, the uh, PlayStation-era RPGs that I either haven't played in a long time or never played. Like, I've never played Final Fantasy IX. I'm finally playing through it now, uh, which has been really, really fun. But I also grabbed Vagrant Story uh, and Chrono Trigger, and that's even older than that. So uh, I, I'm going to keep myself busy for a while uh, with old games uh, that we will not talk about on the show, I'm sure. But <laughs> I'm very excited to be playing them. I'm not playing anything current at all. I, I need to get a new system, I think. I think everything I have, except for the Vita, can't play anything current at all anymore. I mean, that's close enough. I mean, Vita's got some pretty good games on it. That's mostly modern. But uh, yeah, you, you should probably get a new system at some point. I, I mean, I, there's enough things on the Xbox One that I want, but knowing that the PS4 is going to have... Uh, most of the exclusives I want, I think I'm going to end up with both the systems, despite that I was told explicitly by my wife I'm going to get neither of these systems. So this is <laughs> going to go really well. But uh, yeah, until then, at least uh, thankfully every week we can focus on something older that uh, I either already own or can get very cheaply, uh, which is a nice benefit of this podcast. So I don't get yelled at as often. Uh, I really haven't been playing much at all. I, I picked up Legend of, Grim- Legend of Grimrock on iOS, and I never played that on PC much at all. And really just kind of wanted to, to give it a try on iOS and see how it, how it goes. And it's, it works really well on, on the iPhone, and, and I've, ha- I've been having a lot of fun playing it. So I, I think I'm around the, the second dungeon in that one, and I, I think I'm going to maybe try to, to see how far I can get in that one. I've never been a big fan of those types of role-playing games, like the dungeon crawlers like that, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot on this one. I did play Grimrock on PC, uh... And beat the first one. And the second one I'm in the middle of now, and it's much, much harder. At least dungeon design is a lot more uh, involved because it's not... Like, the first Legend of Grimrock is all kind of one contained dungeon. I mean, even though it changes how it looks, it's still really a progressive dungeon, you know? Where uh, Grimrock 2 is a wide open, you know, that you have an overworld dungeon, more or less, and then that leads to other dungeons, and you have to find keys that go back and forth between the dungeons. And, I, and I'm at a point... I still really like it, but I think I may have made a, an irreversible mistake and have uh, only one save like a fool. So I may have to start over. But I highly recommend Grimrock. It's, it's a good throwback to those, those you know, wizardry-style dungeon crawls, except that you can, you can kind of dance around enemies to some point to make almost any fight at least manageable a little bit. Yeah, that's what I've been finding so far is just uh, anything that, that comes up against me that looks like it's about to kick my ass. I can usually just run, turn around and, and find a door somewhere that I can close behind myself and, and trap them or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. It seems like it's actually really fun. Well, since that's all we've been playing lately, uh, we can just get right to brass tacks with this week's game, Keith Courage and Alpha Zones for the TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> Now, 
I'm the only one of us, I believe, that owned a TurboGrafx-16. Is that correct? That is correct. I yes. was always uh, very envious of the few people I knew who had one. You know, my, my dad always bought, we would find the system that looked really good at the time, and it was always the one that would, despite how strong or weak it was, just guaranteed fail if we owned it. I had a TurboGrafx. I had a, uh, well, later on I bought myself a Sega Dreamcast, but we had an Amiga computer. I had an Atari 7800, you know, any, any, a Game Gear, any system that was going to come out that had a, a comparable other system uh, would guaranteed lose that war in every generation that I bought a system for. So I was not surprised that the, the TurboGrafx pretty much started out limping and continued to limp, sadly, for a couple years till it died. But, uh, but it did have a lot of really, really good games on it. I mean, especially if you like shooters, it had a very, very strong shooter library. Um, and some good role-playing games on the CD system, which I also had. But the game we're going to talk about today is the pack-in for the original release of the TurboGrafx in the U.S. Uh, and, and I thought it was a pretty good choice at the, at the time as a kid because it kind of offers a good, a good side-scrolling action. And it, it can show off some of the system's capabilities. Um, but maybe I, I'm blinded by nostalgia because you guys didn't seem as excited as I was when I got through the first few levels. <laughs> Well, this is the first Turbo Graphics game I've ever played. Uh, I, I've never even played one through emulation. Uh, but I always remember seeing it back in the day when I went to Toys R Us. You know, you'd have the the NES and the Sega Master System, and then right next to it, you'd have the Turbo Graphics. And I was always kind of jealous of it because the games looked really good compared to like the the NES and the Master System. So I, I would like to thank you for introducing me to the legendary Turbo Graphics lineup with this big old pile of garbage. Because it is, uh, it, it does not give a, a good first impression of, of what the Turbo Graphics can offer. And I think I think we all need to let it sink in that this was the pack-in for this system, uh, which of itself I can't believe. Did they not have anything better at the beginning? The only way I can see this being a proper pack-in is if it came with a note also that said, "We promise it's going to get better." Uh, this was a oh, a tough game to get through. And uh, like Jeremy, uh, this is, I've played maybe a little bit of Bonk's Adventure, uh, just a few levels of Splatterhouse. Other than that, I have played, uh, this is the first Turbo Graphics game I've played all the way through. And I don't know if it was my the region I lived in, but our, our Toys R Us, our toy stores, never really, I never saw the consoles out and about. And I maybe saw just a handful of games at a time, and I only knew a couple of people, Uh that had one, but I was always so envious of them. And I too think I should, I should thank you for letting me play this game so I can realize that I missed very little during my childhood. You know what? For the next, the next 10 weeks, it's all going to be tour graphics games. I'm going to change your guys' minds. There's no way that I'm the only person that likes this game uh, or the system. And, and to be fair, you mentioned Bonk, which is a far better game than this, but it came out later. It was, in fact, what they replaced as the pack-in title, which is what they should have done on release to begin with, is have a different title. I mean, the best, the best of their launch titles were games like Blazing Lasers or even Legendary Axe. Um, but, but all those games, I mean, shooters didn't do extremely well in the U.S. I can see why they thought they needed to have a, a side-scroller, run-and-jump Mario-style game. This, this misses that mark pretty clearly, but I can see the thought. And also, you know, you're going to make fun of the pack-in game. What was the original Nintendo pack-in game? Gyromite and Duck Hunt. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Gyromite's terrible. I mean, I'll play it, but it's pretty terrible when you actually go back and try to play it now. It's a gimmick to sell a robot that no one wanted. So this is a better pack-in than that. I'll have to give them credit on that. But, yes, it is a, 
on the weaker side of games. However, it is a good introduction to the Turbo Graphics because all those games have that same. This has a very grainy feel to the graphics. Um, the sound has kind of a, a high pitched, almost tinny sound. Uh, unlike you know, the Genesis has kind of a metallic sound, but it's deeper. Uh, this has a much higher pitch sound. And also, the Genesis came out right before this. Literally, in the U.S. market, the Genesis came out a couple weeks before the TurboGrafx hit. And what was the pack-in for that? Altered Beast, a much, much cooler game. Even though, you know, it's a much simpler game in a lot of ways, it was much, much cooler, and it looked way better. And it's not surprising at all that the TurboGrafx did not do well in the U.S. Now, I, mean, I, I would have to say, uh, upon first playing this, I, if I was a kid and I had just got this, obviously... Uh, the level of enthusiasm over a new console, uh, you're able to see through a lot of trouble. So I could see maybe, uh, as a kid, enjoying this game, uh, trudging through it uh, happily, which is a a childhood thing that I am not able to reproduce nowadays. Clearly, I'm much too broken for that. But I will say, upon the first thing I noticed, the graphics, really, sprite-wise, as far as the characters go, uh, not that bad. I was actually impressed with the, the character overall and some of the enemies. One of the first enemies I encountered was a giant gun with a face, which was very promising beginning. Uh, some of the backgrounds weren't bad. The sound, though, uh, especially the music, I must take gigantic issue with. It's a little bit weak, uh, especially because you start the game... In that overworld, okay. So instead of explaining uh, midway about how those levels work, uh, each the game is is devised of seven zones, and each zone has two halves. There's an overworld where you walk around as a regular human being, as Mr. Keith Courage, uh, and and go to what's essentially like shopkeepers, although they don't really sell a whole lot, um, and fighting really basic stuff that there's no way you should actually get hurt by. Uh, until you get to the end of that overworld stage when you get the ability to turn into a robot through a magical rainbow. And then the second half is the underworld where you're in a, like a power suit. Uh, it's a much faster game. That's where the more interesting gun enemy you were talking about earlier was, along with some other like flying skulls and um, you know some increasingly weird bad guys as you go through the game. Uh, or in the underworld sections, which is really the focus of the game is those underworld sections. Um, but you're right. The music in, those, in the overworld section, the... the Keith Courage section, very, very weak. And, then, and that's your introduction to the game itself. You get this amazing, you turn on the, the power, the, the intro music's like, da, 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 da. if you listen to it, it's the intro to the podcast. So imagine you turn on a system and it's that today. And then as soon as you come in, it's the music, you know, this bink, 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 like the, <laughs> just the most unimpressive music. <laughs> uh, and a very, very slow moving little boy uh, with a tiny sword. And that was my first biggest problem with it was just, how slow i didn't know what i was going to get with the robot stages but immediately taking control of keith he moves around at a slug's pace and i was like is this the game because if this is the game this is this is awful <laughs> uh, there's no way that this could continue for for this many stages and you know you you'd get to the point where you turn into the robot 
And then the robot just moves around like he, he's twitchy as hell. And, and th- so it was like it was totally jarring the whole way through this game, going back and forth between the robot, which, which moves around super fast. You know, you can barely control him half the time uh, to going to Keith, who just, you know, he can barely walk, it seems like. So that was that the control w- with how you control both of these characters was was always a problem with me. Yeah, and and the robot had one of my least favorite things. It happened in especially a lot of the the early sixteen bit side scrollers where it moves uh, just a little too fast. Like he he's like Jeremy said, he's very twitchy, and you kind of have to do that thing where sometimes you just tap on the directional pad to move. You don't want to hold it down, or you're going to fall off somewhere, or you're going to run into an enemy. Uh, and it, it's always been a pet peeve of mine when you're kind of having to just kind of tap along instead of holding the directional pad down. Uh, but the overworld, yeah, you talked about splitting the two things and the overworld, uh, when you are uh, in human form seems to be good for nothing else, but just kind of prepping yourself for the, the second half. You're buying these, uh, these bomb bolts, which I did not learn how to use until more than halfway through the game. Uh, you can refill your health, uh, from nurse Nina, the lovely nurse Nina. Uh, and also you can upgrade your sword, which, I didn't do the first few times, but it requires a, a good deal of currency that you can't always consistently find. You have to kill uh, these smaller enemies to get that. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get several coins in a row. But the one thing, maybe my biggest complaint about it, even more so than the sound, is it's probably my first experience with a, a 16-bit side-scroller where I was actually having to grind. And you really have to grind for those coins, to, to buy, especially in the later levels, to, to buy the more advanced sword for the robot. What makes this far worse is that you only get coins in the overworld section. You can only get money when you're Keith, a dude walking around with a little sword very slowly, fighting very slow enemies that there are not that many of. Um, and if you die, even as a robot, you lose half of your money, and half of your bolt bombs. Now, bolt bombs arguably are totally useless. I mean, I can see why they'd be great if you, if you really could manage to, to buy a bunch of them and not die at all to get to the bosses, like learn the levels enough. They might make the boss fights easier, but otherwise, they're kind of a waste of money and, and a waste of time since every time you die, you will lose half of your total bolt bombs. And especially when you first go through those underworld sections, um, and, and we'll get to this in a second, but the spike placement is truly rude. And, and just <laughs> intentionally designed for you to... Like in an arcade game, I would not be surprised because it's to eat quarters. But what's the point of this? Just to drive you out of your mind. Uh, like there's jumps you can't see where you're going to land to because you're jumping down screens. There's no way to look up or down. And you'll jump down where you think is, is a totally valid place to jump along a wall or something. And bam, they put spikes right there and spikes kill you in one hit. Uh, spikes will also kill you in one hit when you're Keith... Uh, although, for whatever reason, there's a level that's covered in fire, and fire does not kill you in one hit, uh, even oh. if you jump into a big pool of it. But that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the overworld, you, you have to sit there in parts. If you're going to buy the power-ups of your sword, which I highly recommend doing, you, you have to find a... This has that 8- and 16-bit ability where if you, go to a, if, if you can get a character to load, you know, to come into the screen to fight you, and you can get the screen to stop scrolling at exactly that point, They'll just keep spawning over and over and over again while you sit there and kill them with your sword. Um, one of the things people actually ask me about for this podcast in general, not this episode, but our, every episode, is you know why don't we put this on YouTube and have videos of the game? 
I think it's not a bad idea, and I would have brought this up later, but I want to bring it up now because if you follow us on Twitter, at Retrovaniacs, I've put up some vines uh, of this game, and one of which is me just farming in one spot over and over again for coins. And it's a vine, so it only lasts to last for you for six seconds, but it lasted for me for about 45 minutes, exactly in that one spot, killing that same guy over and over and over again to get enough coins to buy a sword upgrade. That is what is wrong with, <laughs> with this game more than anything else, is it requires you to write. Grind for no purpose. You don't get experience. You don't, it's just to get some money that you can only get that way, so it's not even like I'm cheesing the system. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to get that money. It's ridiculous. I didn't even consider that until someone, well, I was talking to you guys, and, and I was like, how do you get these sword upgrades? Because I never have money. And someone was like, well, you just you grind. And it just blew my mind because it never even crept into my head that I needed to grind in this game to get these swords. And I, I got to the point where I was trying to and I was just sitting there just over and over and over again. And I was like, what, why, why am I doing this? This is, this is absolutely ridiculous that I'm having to sit here for 30 minutes or more. Just the same enemy that is dropping down from the same place to get you know, hundreds of, of coins to get this stupid sword upgrade. And it, I, it just boggled my mind that, that anyone could make a game like that and for, for that reason alone. And while I you're had, doing it, it you're going to hear that music, too. You're going to hear that bing, 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 oh. bing, bing. In fact, mm-hmm. I guarantee I'm going to put some of that music in right after this segment. So every, and I'm going to make it 20 minutes long so everyone can feel what it's like to grind in this game. That's good. So this will be our last episode, <laughs> or at least likely. rated episode. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just it's inexcusable. Uh, even you know the, the problem with the graphics, even if the uh, not the problem with the graphics, but the sound rather. Even if the sound was good, uh, the graphics are, are decent as is. Even if we didn't have any of the other complaints, the the grinding uh, is completely inexcusable, and it would no matter how much else this game had going for it would completely bring it down just based on that alone. Uh, you know, it was, it was forgivable at the time. Somehow it didn't bother me as a kid. In fact, it was kind of like you felt like you were cheesing the system, even though that's really what you're supposed to do. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to totally trick this game by killing this one guy over and over again. You know, now that I'm playing it for the purpose of this show and really digging into it, I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. Because the only other option is to just go back and forth and back and forth and fight the same exact enemy you'd be doing over and over again, but at a much, much slower pace. Uh, there's no challenge to any of those fights. Everything dies in one hit in the overworld, generally. It's, uh, it's bad design. Even I, even I, who love this game, will agree that that is terrible design. Um, so let's the, the overworld, you, know, you finish going through the overworld, you get your power-ups, you buy your bolt bombs, and then you get to the underworld section, which is the much faster robot section. The only things that drop from enemies in the underworld section are hearts, which 
do two different things, even though they look exactly the same. And I don't think there's a, a way to tell what you think is going to happen. Sometimes it just refills the heart of your life. And other times it increases your maximum hearts and refills your life gauge fully. I don't know how you can tell when that's going to occur. Uh, I think it's definitely capped by levels because I don't think you can just sit in the first level killing guys to get hearts until you have the maximum eight hearts. Uh, but by the, the third or fourth dungeon, I definitely did have all, all eight hearts filled. And uh, that makes things much easier for you. <clears throat> or they also b- drop what look like bolt bombs, just little circles, little blue circles with numbers in them. Uh, but those are bolt bomb multipliers. If you didn't really use your bolt bombs much, you wouldn't know what this does. But um, your regular bolt bombs start at power one. Two is, is it shoots still one forward, but you can shoot two at a time. Normally you can only shoot one bolt bomb at a time. Three, for whatever reason, the number three shoots a spray of two of them in front of you. One that goes straight, one that goes diagonally up. And then four and five, I want to say, do like one shoots them in all directions and the other one shoots them in like an arc in front of you. Uh, I never bothered with them this playthrough. I did it once just to remember how they worked. And I was like, that's right. These are terrible. And I didn't buy them ever again. So, I, you know, I don't know if you guys mess with bolt bombs at all. but I didn't. I, I just I saw that they were dropping, but. I was kind of like Billy. I didn't even know what they were. I didn't know how to use them. And even after I knew what they were and, and I tried to use them, they just they really seemed useless. Yeah, I, f- I found no real use. I, I made a point uh, after I, I kind of learned just what they were and how to use them uh, to see if that would help me along with some of the bosses. I, I couldn't really tell. From what I could tell, it may even be weaker than hitting them uh, with the sword. And there's no clear advantage to it. I don't think. I think you could progress through the entire game just fine without picking up the first one. Well, yeah, you don't need to buy any of these bolt bombs. Uh, It's the only way to get a projectile. The robot only has one attack, which is with your sword, Uh, which if you've upgraded, you know, through the levels, it becomes larger and larger and does more damage with every hit. But generally, that's your only attack with the robot is a sword that that swings the exact same way every time. It's not like you have a, a bunch of different moves. This isn't that advanced. Uh, So the bolt bombs give you an ability to do a projectile attack, but... I think you're you're strong enough and you're fast enough in the in the robot suit. You don't really need to to bother with a projectile attack, although it probably would make some of the bosses um, much easier. So each each underworld section ends with a boss fight, and the first few bosses, the first three bosses, are they look neat. I mean, I'll give them that. The the, the enemy creation and then the boss um, design are, are all very interesting in this game. Like the first boss is just these two. They look like two flying robots, I guess, that shoot, shoot uh, beams and then fly back and forth in a U over top of you while they fire each time. Um, they become regular enemies later in the game. They're not that impressive. But the second boss is a giant Frankenstein head with a robot arm that expands um, you know, to grab you. And it does an, a good deal of damage each time it hits you, but it's super slow. And there's no real reason you, you can't just essentially, for, for all these the first few bosses, the third boss being a... Um, a flying demon with a top hat th- who throws one card at you every five seconds. Uh, there's no reason you can't just run up to them and hit them over and over again with your sword really fast and win before they kill you. I mean, did anyone even die on those first bosses, even trying to die? No, no I didn't have any problem. No, the, the first few were, were simple. Yeah, if you show up with, with full health, you can just stand kind of toe-to-toe and just exchange shots. They'll go down first. But uh, that was the first few. But this game, the fourth boss, this yeah. rat bastard... <laughs> really, really ramps it up. Uh, I mean, one hit takes away a heart. I had the uh, complete... I did finish this one up all the way through. This was the hardest one. I mean, there's more levels after this. But this fella on the fourth level, 
is much harder than even the last guy. And it's out of nowhere because you're not uh, – we spoke of games before just kind of conditioning you to one thing and then throwing something else completely at you. It's another case of that. You're not conditioned for uh, boss battles that you know are, are this difficult or that you lose this much health on. And as far as health goes, I still never figured out throughout the game the health system. You talked about it's confusing as to when you gained hearts. Uh, I found it very confusing as to how much damage it took to lose a heart. It seemed it greatly varied throughout the game. Yeah, I could never figure that out. Um, it seems like the bosses, well, that, that stage four boss, if he touches you, you will lose a heart. But the other bosses, uh, like the first two, it seemed like they could hit you over and over and over again, but you'd never lose a heart, except maybe on like the fourth or fifth hit or something. And that was kind of the, the whole thing with um, throughout the whole game. You just, I never knew what was going to actually hurt me. Suddenly I'd have, you know, I had a full health full health and I'd just have be being assaulted on all all sides and have no no problem I I would not be losing any health but then all of a sudden I'd I'd be down to like two hearts and I would have no idea why or what even hit me to do that so I I never figured it out And yeah, you're right. The first hard boss, like like Billy said, was the robot boss in level four, uh, because he's the first boss you can't just stand in front of and hit. Because again, even with eight hearts, if you're just jumping up to hit him because he moves fast enough and he fires fast enough, you're gonna die. You're gonna die horribly. You have to learn his pattern, and you gotta you gotta jump at the right time to jump over his beam or or move fast enough to get away from his uh, not beam but his like ball of energy that he shoots at you. Jump up and hit him, and and then duck underneath him again, over and over again. Although, there is a cheese way to beat him. Now, I did beat him the right way this time, but I didn't tell you guys about the cheese way because oh. I was going to wait and see if you guys could get through him. But you figured it out on your own because you guys are very good at video games. But for both him and the last boss, because they're essentially the same boss with some extra tweaks added to the final boss, if you fall into the chamber that the boss is located in and you fall in such a way where you kind of jump and slide over the direction to where he is, if you can land on the ground when he's already on the screen, he never moves. What? He never fires. He just sits there. And you can oh hit him over and over God. again and kill him. Now, I didn't do that for the, fir- for the fourth boss, but I 100% did it for the last boss. Because I've beaten I him before. I 50 minutes of my life trying to kill that guy. You- oh, God. <laughs> this might be our last podcast. You guys might stop talking to me after this oh, one. Oh, uh, God. The trust is gone. <laughs> now, to be fair, that's on any way you look on the internet for tips for the game. So... I don't take full responsibility. It's not like it's a secret that my family has passed down for <laughs> generations that I never shared with anybody. But uh, 
But I was going to wait and see if anyone was going to look it up. If you just got just got frustrated with it and and cheesed it out. But yeah, yeah, you can you can cheese your way through the fourth boss and the seventh boss because uh, the other ones you can you can literally just walk in front of them and, and hit them over and over again. After level four with the robot boss, level five you fight the the second and third level boss, the the Frankenstein head and the guy that throws the cards at the same time. But they're no stronger. In fact, I think they're weaker than they were the first time individually. Uh, and then level six is a guy who looks really cool. His name is Dongoro, and he looks like a lion man that throws his heads at you. But again, he doesn't do enough damage, so you can just stand right in front of him and hit him over and over and over again, and he'll die before you have a chance to lose, like, three hearts. So that, the, the, the difficulty in this game is definitely only in two real spots, other than the fact that you have to make it through those underworld sections where the spikes are placed horribly. I mean, I guess marvelously if the idea is to kill you. But since you can't if, if you would have had the ability to look up and down even, I think that would have negated the the spikes being as bad as they are. Cuz the, the I think they're there so that it stops you from just randomly jumping everywhere. But instead it's there's no way to know where they are until you've memorized the level. And there's a few of those levels that get really confusing. At least I still found them a little confusing on this playthrough. Um where just if if you didn't go down the right hole in a certain spot, you're going to die. Yeah, they the last three stages definitely get kind of more maze like than than the first uh, section of the, the those stages. But those spikes are some of the worst things I, I've come across in a, a video game in a long time. They they are placed in like you said the worst places in the world, and there's so many blind jumps down that you just you, you never know where they're going to come. And and the fact that they're one hit kills, you can make it all the way through that stage and just fall off a, a you know just try, make a make a jump like you're supposed to do it's a platform game you're supposed to jump around but then you you fall into a pit of spikes and and that's it and there were many times where i just about quit the quit the game completely because of them yeah it, it's it's certainly one of the most most frustrating aspects and especially uh like jeremy p said uh maybe put there to kind of discourage you from just randomly jumping around but the layout of the level and the view you have encourages you to randomly jump around uh, a lot there's a lot of leaps of faith in this a lot of just kind of blindly taking steps and, and hoping you don't fall on anything and that yeah that was besides the music this is probably what almost made me quit more more often than not well it doesn't help that whenever you you get hit by an enemy it's got the you know the classic bullshit gaming thing oh, of, yeah. of pushing you back so there were many times where I just got pushed back onto spikes because there's so much shit just flying all over the place that it's impossible to, to even avoid them. But again, it's hard even to tell if you need to avoid things. I almost just like, I didn't care what was around me, what was hitting me, except that it knocks you back sometimes. Just, I would just, you know, run, just let things plow into me while I'm just making sure I don't hit spikes. And then you find a spot where you can get an enemy to, to spawn over and over and over again and just kill them till you get hearts and you get lucky and one refills your whole heart, you know, your whole life con- containers and then move on. It's a very poorly designed game in many, many ways, but there's still something about it that hits all the right buttons, and I'm sure it's just because I only had two games on my TurboGrafx for about six months, and this was one of them, um, this and Legendary Axe. But I, I still stand by this being not as bad as even low G-Man. Welcome to the, the General Chaos Club. That's, That's all it. I can really say.
one of the things that we, I sent you guys a link to this, and I'll put a link up on, on our Twitter uh, as well. This is originally the Japanese release of this game is a totally different story. The game plays exactly the same. Nothing changes in, in how the levels are laid out and what the bosses are or any of that. It's exactly the same game. But it's based on, on a, a series of anime, and I'm not an anime guy, so I've never seen this before, but called, and I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, uh, Mashin Ayuden Wataru, and it's basically a kid is teleported to a magical land by a, a dragon that he rides, and he fights a bunch of weird monsters with the help of a bunch of people who are the people in this game that are just the shopkeepers. Uh, the idea being that he's saving their world from an army of demons. Now, that's a ridiculous story, but it's a very 80s anime kind of story, I think. Uh, but the, the U.S. release of this, they, they had to change it somehow. I, I don't know why they wouldn't have just kind of left the basics there, because I didn't need any... I mean, you know, we, we saved uh, a kingdom from... An evil demon or evil dragon with a plumber for years, and we didn't care about the story. It didn't matter. But they changed ours anyway, and there's a comic included in the book that explains this whole uh, whole story that I've also put links to on our Twitter feed. Um, but in, in the U.S. version, you're Keith Courage. Uh, you have the power suit that was given to you by your father, who built it for the organization Nations of International Citizens for Earth, which is nice. And you're fighting against the forces of the bad alien dudes. Bad. I really think the story about the, the, the comic that you posted is the best thing about this game. It, it's a pretty oh, yeah. amazingly bad comic. But I love it. <laughs> and knowing if you watch that anime that this is based on, the anime he looks just like he does, more or less. Uh, you can tell that's who the character's supposed to be when you're the Keith Courage character on the U.S. release. Looks just like the kid from this anime. But on the American version, and you'll see it in the comic book, they like took... Almost like that South Park episode where all the kids pretend they're uh, Street Fighter characters or whatever, and then they, they redraw them like they're super cool adults. That's what this looks like. This comic book looks like they took the Keith Courage character from the, the, the game. It's like, how can we make him look much more like a, like a cool adult hero? <laughs> but, so he has but the yeah, same goofy he, he, outfit, but he looks like a normal person. Yeah, it's, it's really bad, and it's great because like, if you were a kid and you read that, you, you, know, you got that comic, and you were like, man, this looks amazing, and you turn the game on and... Keith's looking like a little chibi anime guy that looks like he's barely pushing 12 years old. Um, Might have put you off a little bit. But, yeah, the, uh, I, I love that comic. It's, it's so good. So, so we can, can we agree? We recommend the comic. Uh, stay far away from the game. Is that, I is that the still, general consensus? I think that's a good consensus. And, and again, you can see all the, scale, all the the pictures of each of the comic pages because it's not a long comic. At uh, Retrovaniacs on Twitter. I don't know if it'll show up again on uh, on Retrovania.net if Jeremy feels like wasting his time on that. But if not, check it out on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I have to say I can see why this is a terrible game. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to general chaos it and say I still think it's a good game because when I was playing it now, I was like, I bet these guys are going to hate everything about this game. Because there were things that even though I knew exactly what was coming, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to grind for half an hour fighting these cloud guys to get a sword. This is embarrassing. And even though I knew that the levels were easy and, and I could cheese the boss and, and I didn't, it was like, uh, this is pretty tedious. There's no password you got to do all in one sitting because it's a classic game like that. Um, I, you know, I admit that it's a bad game. I'll acknowledge it. But I, I obviously am in the minority because it's one of the few TurboGrafx games that got a U.S. release that was never made available on the Wii Virtual Console. There are a lot of many worse games that made it out, in my opinion. But Keith Courage never made it to that list. So I guess I might, uh, <laughs> I might be alone in my love for Keith Courage. I'll accept it. 
I, you know, it's uh, I, I can see why they released it as the pack-in game because it's just, you know, like you said, there wasn't much else at the launch to to really appeal to kids. Uh, Bonk wasn't out at the time, I don't think, but uh, you know, this was kind of it. And you, you know, if I, I maybe I would have liked it as a kid, but playing it now, it's it's completely just I, I can't stand it. I can't stand playing this game. There's so many. So many bad things about this game that those those bad habits of old um, NES games that that carried over into this game. It, it, I just I could not. I, I was actually shocked that I made it through the game because it, I, I think I was just more mad at the game because I wanted to beat it. But I would I would never recommend it to anyone. Really, I do think this is the first game we've covered that all three of us did finish. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and it was close. I I, uh, I also uh, came to a point. I think I was on level five, maybe, uh, where I was considering calling it quits. And then I th- I think we were speaking with each other when uh, Jeremy P. You uh, you let out the good news that there are only seven levels. And, and knowing that, I, I kind of hunkered down. <laughs> I think Jeremy before this, there were ten, and you were like, "No, I'm out. I'm done." Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to go on. I thought so that I, I seriously thought there were 10 levels. I, I swear to God, I read it somewhere and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it through 10 levels of this shit. But uh, the, the hearing the seven mark, it, it gave me a second wind and I, I really wanted to beat it for some ungodly reason. Well, my goal will now be to find other TurboGrafx games that are not terrible to try to sell you guys that there really was a solid system out there. It just had some some poor decision making built around it. And it was ultimately a failure in this market. Uh, pretty much everywhere but Japan that was kind of a big failure. But, uh, but it, you know, this is a good introduction as, as any because it was the one we were all forced to have. So welcome to the TurboGrafx-16 Club, guys. I, I, I'm looking forward to actually playing more because I, I know there are some really great TurboGrafx-16 games. Um, and I, I really want to play some more. But, yeah, this was definitely just just headfirst into a pile of shit to, to see what the TurboGrafx was all about. And yeah, I, I, I'm also, uh, this does not diminish my view on the console at all. I'm still very excited about looking into some other Turbo Graphics games in the future. And, and Jeremy, if you've challenged yourself to find better Turbo Graphics 16 games for us to play, I think you have yourself a very easy challenge. <laughs> Well, the hard part's going to be I'm going to have to play them again now and, and sit there and actually really look at the game and go, okay, do I like this game just because I know it, or is it actually a good game? And that's very hard to do. You don't realize how hard it is to you're trying to get two other people that, that generally are at the same skill level you are in games and the same interest level and everything uh, for the same era of games and realize, oh, this game just isn't good, that good. It was just that I played it a lot. This is the first time I've been hit in the face with that, and I, I now understand how you feel about General Chaos, Jeremy. It's good to have somebody there with me. So that'll wrap up our coverage of Keith Courage, a game that one of us really likes and two of us are realistic and don't like. Um, Every week we ask for some questions, and this week, thankfully, someone sent us one. Uh, We've actually got a question here this week from Kyle from Flint, Michigan, who says Flint, Michigan is a giant dirty butt disguised as a city, asks, I'm sure we've all made regrettable video game purchases, but it's getting harder and harder to not blame ourselves for crappy game purchases since we have things like YouTube, Twitch, and tons of places on the internet to research what we're buying. My question is, how did you all make informed game purchases back back in the Atari and NES days when none of that existed, 
and there were so many awful games. Also, what game did you what game purchase did you end up regretting the most? I'll go first. I did not make informed purchases uh, at the time. A lot of it was, you know, what box, what box art uh, appeals to me the most. I guess maybe through rental, uh, you could uh, find out that way. I made a lot of blind purchases uh, as a kid. I, I act like I made them. I made my parents make a lot of blind purchases. Uh, you had the magazines, but you didn't get a lot of information out of them. Nintendo Power... I can't recall ever really tearing into a game before. Uh, they always were uh, a little kinder, even towards the, the awful games. Uh, the other game magazines, so-so. Eh, really, I didn't have a lot to go off of, just word of mouth. And still, sometimes there were games you saw in the store on the shelf that you had no clue were, were even a thing. Uh, my biggest regret, I have, it's kind of a tie, one of them I won't really speak much of. It's uh, WrestleMania, the arcade game, uh, which I wrote about over on uh, Retrovania.net. I think we talked about it in our pro wrestling episode. episode we may have, as yeah. Well. Uh, my other big one was Predator for the Nintendo. Oh, you bought that. Oh, my God. Well, purchased only because uh, I enjoyed the film. And I think that's how a lot of the, uh, sure. the early movie uh, to game and comic to game game sold uh you like the original property so the game of course was going to be awesome uh, you had arnold with the big gun on the front uh i played it and i hated it and it was one of the first games that i purchased with my own uh money that i had earned uh so it hurt even worse and i will admit after trying it and finding out i couldn't re it's similar to wrestlemania after finding out i couldn't return it to the store i sat there and i cried as a child i was a small child and I had a good cry over it. But yes, still, still to this day, my biggest regret. I, I'd say I had made some bad purchases before. I mean, we had an Intellivision, because of course we bought those failed systems. Uh, and I did have an NAS later. You know, I can't listen to television games, because there were a lot that were kind of bad, but at the same time, you really can't tell exactly what good or bad in an Intellivision game or, or an Atari game. Like that era, there were some terrible games. Like if I would have paid full price for Outlaw, I'd have been mad. But, but no one would have, you know, you kind of just... There was a lot of bad then. Oh. NES had a lot more control uh, over what was coming out. And I did buy some real turds. I bought Mag Max. That's a terrible game. It's just a basic shooter. And, and I had some other terrible games. But the one I can... I, I have to say I bought the most bad games, even though I'm talking about how great it was, for the TurboGrafx-16, because there was no coverage. They, you know, the, the regular magazines really didn't talk about it much. Uh, and they had their own magazine, but it was even more of an ad for the system than Nintendo Power was. I mean, it was like... Every game that they talked about, it didn't matter how bad it was, how lame it was, was the best thing to come out ever because there were only eight games coming out a year for that system, it seemed. So I bought a lot of bad games, but the worst one was a PC port uh, of the game Impossible, which is it's a side-scroller <laughs> like this was, actually, very similar to Keith Courage, um, except you didn't have any weapons at first. You would just kick rocks around, and then you would get a weapon like a bazooka, but I could never figure out how to fire it. And uh, it was an awful game. It was I never beat one level in it. Uh, that's one actually that recently I went to watch like a full Let's Play of to just see if later on it becomes so amazing that I had to have played it. No, it's always terrible. Someone forced themselves through it for a Let's Play. It's a horrible game. And that is my biggest regret uh, of purchases. And that, that, again, you know, I don't know how you would avoid that at the time. There was no coverage of anything except for people saying that everything was great. So, you know, now you're a fool if you buy a game that's really that bad, unless you knew it was bad. Like, I think everyone bought... Um, the Goat Simulator, or whatever that's called. 
Yeah. Uh, but it, but it was intentionally bad, and you could mm-hmm. see videos of it. And there's no one should have bought it and thought like, man, I was looking forward to being a goat, and this is ridiculous. I mean, that's what it is. So yeah, it, it's definitely easier to to not buy garbage. I guess for me back then, I wasn't really reading magazines, but uh, I, I didn't have an Atari. But in the NES days, I would just kind of go around to people's houses or families' houses and. Back then, it seemed like everybody had a small collection of NES games. So, you know, I would ask to play their, their system, and I'd go through these games. And if, if one was pretty fun, then uh, I would either rent it or, or save my money to buy it. And the one that I regret the most getting was one that I did play. Well, I, I played the game I wanted at a family's house. It was Karnoff on NES. Really wanted that game. I loved what I played. I saved up for weeks, and I had, I think, 40 or 45 bucks and one day, me and my mom went into to KB Toys, and that money was literally just smoldering in my pocket. And so I was like, let, let me look at these games. You know, they might have something on sale. Well, they had Karnoff, but it was, not, it was more expensive. But I would need about three or four more weeks to get it. But the one that they did have that I could afford was uh, Alpha Mission, I believe, which is a terrible SNK shooter for the NES. And that is the one I ended up getting. And... I absolutely hated it, and it was basically just child depression for for three or four weeks straight because I couldn't return it, of course, and I I was stuck with that, and I never ended up getting Karnoff, and that that is the one that I regret by far the most. But I think all of us can agree, no matter how bad the game was was, that was our biggest letdown, we did spend a lot of time playing those terrible games, right? Yes, I played Alpha Missions for, for quite a while. I made myself get through Predator. It was tough. Uh, but I guess as a kid, you're just a lot more resilient, you're much more resilient. I couldn't pull it off today. Well, and thankfully, we won't have to pull it off next week, because next week, we're going to visit the Game Boy for the first time with the Capcom classic Gargoyles Quest. So tune in next time for that. And again, please follow us on Twitter at Retrovaniacs. Go to Retrovania.net. There's updates three times a week, a lot more than this podcast. And uh, we're on Facebook also. So please give us a follow, and we'll see you next week. Next week.